Folks, no grand intro, no fancy graphics for today. Our pal John will see them soon. There are many, many on this platform, John. I you're aware there's, there's a lot of different moving pieces, but we do not yet have the Impact pay-per-view <laughs> intro video. Um, maybe one day, maybe it could be a clip of Dom West or something, I don't know. But no big intro. Uh, we're going to give them some wrestling talk. We are here, Late Night Green, Impact Wrestling Emergence Review Show. John, this is your first time on the platform. Uh, yes, you and I shared the screen for a Ring of Honor preview, right? Over on True Hill Heat, which was a hell of a time. So uh, how are you today, pal? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm glad to be here. I'm just glad to be here. This was a this was a great pay-per-view. But if you think about it, not having any crazy intro videos is yeah. very similar to how Impact presents these monthly specials. There's no there's no fuss, there's no muss. They just no. get right to the wrestling. So it's it's, it's, on, it's on brand. I do wonder what like the late night grin equivalent of their opening videos are, you know, with the, the narrator, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always like the biggest match ever. It's like the battle of a lifetime. Like, like that would be interesting. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird, we were just talking before we went on. That's why we kind of went a little bit early because we were just already reviewing the show. Right. So I was like, let's, you know, let's just get into it. These are weird shows, right? Like they're, I think you and I would agree as we're about to review this thing. This is a hell of a show. Did you see a lot of buzz for this? Because I unfortunately didn't see much, which is a shame because you're in the quality of it. What did you see? Yeah, I mean, if you if you are are in the circles that discuss impact and that yeah. follow impact, then yes, you would definitely have known about it. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. for me, uh, I'm, I'm in a couple discords here and there. For example, a few Facebook groups like the True Heels Facebook group, mm-hmm. and uh, there's conversation there. But outside of that, in the in the the larger the larger groups or larger pages that that mainly focus on the big two, there's really not that much conversation about the monthly specials. It's interesting, right? Because I think, in fairness to Impact, that is kind of an industry wide issue right now, right? Yeah. Like, I think even if you look at the G one, you can kind of see like it's the big two, and that's about it on a kind of wider sense uh, which we'll get into a little bit as we go before we do john tell the people about um what you do over in true hui because i know i was um really i was unfamiliar until we did a show together right the ring of honor preview show and i know that you know they're friends of ours and they do 101 different things over there so explain a bit what you kind of do on on that platform give them an idea yeah, so what I do is I cover uh, AEW Dark, Dark Elevation, and mm-hmm. NWA Power. That's one show called Dark Power. And then I'm also on Rampage Wrap-Up on the weekends with uh, Josh, where we talk about the AEW Rampage episodes. And we also have a whole, I mean, we have so many different shows covering every single different topic that you can think of. We have... Mm-hmm watch-alongs for for raw for smackdown for rampage for nxt for impact as well blunt impact uh ness and chris over there doing great things we have so much so many different things that we talk about we have the main flagship show on saturdays and yeah it's just a great time there on the channel i love it, it. is i see them very much as like our you know our spiritual uh cohort here look at this sp3 in the chat <laughs> the crossover we never did there you go man like, I, i've said test be free before i think he and i kindred spirits he's like the good version of me you know he, he, <laughs> he's very successful but we're very similar in our in our outlook so with that in mind let's get into um i asked you when we was kind of booking this i was like have you covered impact you said briefly right in 2020 yeah. you said yeah, yeah so tell me about kind of your impact coverage and then more broadly how much you watch their product as of right now 
So right now, I wouldn't say that I watch week to week. Uh, I definitely keep up with uh, Ness on Blunt Impact, so I, I know what's happening. But mm-hmm. on a on a week to week basis, usually what'll happen is if I see Ness talking about something that interests me or some good match, then I'll go back and I'll watch it. Uh, but when I was covering it, I was watching weekly, and uh, that was that was a great time because Impact does have some a lot of like some great quality talent on their roster and so being able to to see those people and and keep up with them is is a lot of fun it's just life got a little busy for me so had to move one to the side that's kind of the story of impact and i don't mean yeah it really is i don't mean it's an insult but it's like (laughs) i think anyone that's watched in the last few years can agree it's actually a really competent wrestling promotion at this point they have good wrestling every week and these pay-per-views which we'll get into are like very good almost every month but it does struggle to convince the wider audience that it's essential viewing right that's its biggest challenge has always been i don't know if they've got there yet i'm not sure they will to be honest with you because we all have that story right i was watching it it was a good time and then this happened that happened and i stopped watching it it's kind of tell as old as time it's unfortunate it's it's really funny because you know for years people every year were saying this is the year that tna goes out of business this is the year that t and no by hook or by crook whether it's people getting busy with their lives or whatever the case may be and losing touch with impact impact stays there Mm -hmm. and they stay putting out quality shows and slowly building the roster yeah they lose people here and there but they always find replacements and one of the great things that scott demore has done is being able to identify key players and if he loses somebody being able to bring somebody else in that will fill that role so that he doesn't lose an overall level of quality in the product it's really interesting because i mean i didn't watch the pre-show when i'm i watched the main show but they showed a highlight of the knockouts tag titles switched right and Deion yeah. and chelsea won the won the belts and it's like you would have assumed or predicted that with AEW being you know such a strong force and, and WWE always hiring, you would have assumed the impact roster would have fallen away some. And it's like, I would argue it's as strong as it's been since yeah. like the Spike era. I mean, they're deep right now. I mean, there's a Ray Horace match on here, just like, <laughs> just because, which obviously, you know, is it was kind of a guest spot. But that's one thing. Do you think they get enough credit for like, this roster's like sneaky deep in all truth? It's interesting. I think that they, they would not get the credit i don't think they get the credit they deserve but i also think that they have been smart in how they have benefited from other things happening to other companies like when wwe releases happen or for example when we'll be talking about them honor no more bringing them over from ring of honor and really making them a hallmark of Mm -hmm. the of the product some people may you know if this is a storyline that's been going on since january so maybe people are getting a little bit tired of honor no more but you can't deny that impact hasn't found a way to use them and that's that's you know to your point it is an incredibly deep roster i don't think they do get the credit for it it's very very interesting it's kind of a theme of these conversations i think goes on the radar quick couple things here housekeeping notes shout out to jj who's resubscribed been subscribed now for three months he says oh how Impact Emergence was a fantastic show. Sammy Magnum was awesome. And as much as I wanted to see Shelly win, Josh Retaining was the right choice. We'll get into all that more. Thank you, JJ. And also, JR subscribed to his third month. He says, oh, wow. Okay, well, let's get into it. Quick thing on the Impact front. It appeared they moved some tickets for this one. It didn't look like, um, you know, an empty room. Yeah. I'm pleading with anyone who watches this that's in any kind of position of power. 
we need to experiment with other hard camera. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was a great solution in the pandemic yeah. but like if there's 400 people there i want to see some of them you know like this this shot of the rampway i find it to be kind of um it's so sterile man you know it's just it doesn't do much for me but i will say the crowd was hot which is saying we'll get in as we go so let's get into the opener exhibition title one of the rest of the year thus far speedball mike bailey against Jack Evans, and this was a big deal for Jack, right? I mean, this was yeah. like a, a big opportunity for him post-AEW. I think everyone has a great deal of respect for Jack's career, and especially has loved the way he's handled his kind of AEW fallout. He's been marvellous in that regard. I thought he looked really good. Physically, he looks great. Yeah, he looks like he's gained some weight. Yeah, he looks but, but, he looks strong, muscle, right? yeah. Yeah, and, he, and his hair's, you know, grand back out, which is necessary because <laughs> that was a rough look for a while there on the... Uh, I know you covered dogs. You would have seen some of those post Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a look. Um, but we looked really good. I thought the match actually was um, a lot more reserved than I thought it would be. I, I, I sort of thought it would be a moves fest. And I don't mean that as an insult. I thought it was damn good. What would you think of it? So I thought it was a great opener, a really smart choice to, to mm -hmm. open the show. And I agree with you. Yeah, they, they seemed as though almost as though they were holding back. Yeah. But at the same time, they were able to get everything in that they needed to get in. I think that you know it, it, it's a. Uh, it, I think they benefited from being the first match simply because usually a first match will always get a bigger reaction than maybe mm -hmm. it should or shouldn't. It's because it's that opening match, and so they kind of knew that. And I think the idea here was to maybe down the road revisit this, and mm -hmm. that will be where they really kick it into a high gear. And this was to to give these guys a chance to really feel each other out because speedball is somebody who hits really, really hard and mm -hmm. he moves very quickly. And Jack Evans is somebody who moves very quickly as well. And he's a pretty good technical wrestler in his own right. So I think that here they just were like, look, let's get you guys in the ring together, see what chemistry we've got. And that's something mm -hmm. that's super important in a match and give us a, give us a, a good match that will keep this momentum going as we get through the show. But I think both guys really knocked it out of the park. Um, Jack Evans does look great coming yeah. out of his AEW run. He did add some muscle. And yeah, you're right. The hair growing back is probably the best <laughs> the best <laughs> part of all of this forum. Maybe, maybe he, uh, you know, maybe on the way out of AEW, uh, QT gave him like some coupons or whatever oh. to the hair plug guy. That helped That's him cool. out, and he was like, mm -hmm. "Listen, <laughs> we can't keep you, but but here's something to get your the rest of the, your next run started." I will say I'll, it will always stick with me to that. I'm almost certain the hair shave match did like a good rampage number, which is like <laughs> peak pro wrestling. Of course, of course, people tuned in for that. Orange Cassidy and Jack Evans, the hair, incredible stuff. Um, yeah, absolutely. As you said, man. I mean, they got 12 minutes, but because they paced it more steadily than like a sprint, it felt like they got a lot of time to actually have like a real match. And again. Look, there's nothing wrong with moves matches, right? I mean, they're, they're very exciting. There's one late with Bandito that was tremendous. But this did have some more substance. So I appreciate they didn't just have a straight babyface match and Jack Evans was kind of a dick, which I think is his peak form, right, at this point. Yeah. Um, shout out to Tom Hannafin, too. I thought did a really nice job of... I liked the way that he kind of contrasted their striking styles, right? Jack Evans is less output, more quality, whereas Speedball is so quick... It's like there's a contrast there. Styles make fights kind of deal. So I thought it was a tremendous um, opener. What do you think? Evans 
he feels like he should be sticking around in, in Impact for a little bit, doesn't he? Yeah, I don't know if he officially signed with them or not. I do not but... believe so. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, if that's the case, then they probably are going to be using him a lot in these tapings that, that mm-hmm. are going to be coming up. But, yeah, if he can stick with Impact, that'll be – like, just how we're talking, underrated roster. You add a piece, you add a piece, you add a piece. And Evans has something that that X Division kind of doesn't lack – but enhances, I would say. I think so, and, yeah. and him being able to have great matches against people like Chris Bay, like Ace Austin from Bullet Club, that's going to be something that's really crucial to continuing to build that division. I hope he does stick around. Yeah, he gives it a kind of veteran presence, right? Yeah. That, that's kind of the, 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 the thing he has. And he's not a veteran you need to push. I mean, Jack's great, but he's not going to be your world champion or anything like that. He's a guy who can slot into the division and kind of be a, you know, a, a valuable piece in that regard. I'm intrigued. Where do you stand on Speedball's kind of impact ceiling? Obviously, he's one of the hottest wrestlers around right now. And as great as he is as a fit as X Division champion, there's always a lot of conversation about will he eventually right. you know, go for the big one? What do you think? I think he does have that option. I mean, that 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 that, that ceiling there to be a world champion. I think for me, it's going to have to – it will depend on how he evolves the character. Because right now, a lot of it is a focus on the moves and the in-ring work, mm-hmm. which is great. But you've got to be able to talk, and you've got to be able to talk in promos and against an opponent and go have that back and forth. And he has that, but I haven't seen it rise to the level of being somebody who I could say, yeah, I this could be a world champion. So I think that that's going to be one of the things that he really needs to work on. And I think that they can pair him in some of these feuds with some people who will be able to help him elevate his game. For example, you could put him up against somebody like Diener. And this Mm -hmm. isn't to say that Diener is a great talker on the mic, but Eric Young is. And if Eric Young is talking for Diener in the Mm -hmm. feud and, and, and doing some of the back and forth, or maybe it's just that Eric Young says, we want the X division championship. I'm sending Diener. And it's really a proxy war between Bailey and and Eric Young, Eric Young is somebody who will help Speedball get to another level when it comes to his mic skills. Yeah, I agree. Someone who can kind of direct traffic in that regard, yeah. right? And, and kind of give the the angle like a, a hook. Um, it's very interesting. I agree with you. My my instinct's reaction to the promos too. The other problem they have is because their formatting is somewhat traditional in the sense that you will see a world champion do an in ring promo or do a contract signing, as we saw on Thursday. That feels like saying that's not in his game right now right as you said it could it could change you compare them with the right guys perhaps obviously you could argue the real answer is don't do those segments but (laughs) (laughs) it is what it is um this is an interesting question i like this what do you think of the like friday night special thing it seems vaguely insane to me (laughs) where do you stand on friday nights for for an event night listen i i am i am happy that Anything is on on a weekday night sometimes because it adds a element of must see to it. And it's one of those situations where if it's a great test for impact, not from a not from a viewership perspective, like are we going to get the viewers that we want? But are we putting on the quality of matches and the quality of shows that would make someone say, I'm interested in tuning into this and they might see a little bit of a drop off here and there, uh, you know, for whatever reason. But I think that it's, it's a smart move in a weird way because it adds to this element of an underground feel to it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like this kind of, you know, 
in the impact circles, it's a it's a must see kind of thing. So I think yeah. it's interesting in its own way. Uh, but I'm just I mean, I'm glad that they're that they're they're trying something different. That's really right. what you got to keep doing. It's almost like, a, you know, you say it adds to that kind of vibe. It's like the impact fan can put their head on the pillow and say we had the best matches tonight. And they, yeah. hey, look, yeah. they did on Friday, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm told Shinsuke and Gunnar was very good. I've genuinely not seen it, but I'm sure that was very good. But other than that, and there was some really good wrestling on this show. So, um, yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting element for sure. They started the Sammy Callahan, Steve Matlin business here. We'll circle back to that. <laughs> that was a whole deal, right? We'll, we'll circle back. So let's jump into Violent by Design. We are just talking about Dina and Eric Young. They were here in tag team action against Kushida and Chris Saban. Again, Kushida is... Um, Quite the, the addition, even if it's just, you know, in and out, which I think it most will be guest spots, is still a hell of a deal. Now, this is something that I think has been a real strength of these shows. We just talked about the opener and saying it wasn't kind of balls to the wall, right? They just had a nice match. I thought this was such a smart match in the sense that it wasn't a classic. It wasn't one for your spreadsheet or whatever else. But it was pros being like, look at this lineup. It ain't our night to have the show still. Let's just have a good tag team match. Let's work to a traditional format. Let's get a little bit of heat, feed a hot tag, go into our finish, and we'll get out of there fine, and the crowd will be with it. I thought they nailed it in that sense. I think there's a version of this match you could do on TV that's better and goes longer and is kind of more, you know, epic. This was what this show needed. For. What do you think of the uh, the tag team match here? So this is Scott Demore saying, okay, I know I'm going to get momentum starting off because it's their first match. Mm -hmm. What's my second match going to do? It's got to keep that momentum going. And like you said, an in, out, get on your way, do what needs to get done, and move the show along. And mm -hmm. this was a, a really cool cool moment here because, you know, <laughs> is, is, uh, is, is Saban an honorary time splitter? Or is Kushida an honorary machine gun? That's oh, kind of, <laughs> and it's and it's kind of cool because they're doing they have Saban doing uh, some time splitter moves, but mm -hmm. then they have Kushida doing some 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 gun moves, and it's just kind of a it's kind of a cool uh, thing that you got to tip your hat to because yeah, you kind of know that they're gonna do it or that they should do it, but mm -hmm. seeing it being done and being done so well, it's just like yeah, that's that's really cool, and. Eric Young and Diener getting the win felt like the right thing to do because right. Eric Young and Diener are more of an established group, whereas Kushida yeah. and Saban, they, while they are doing time slaughter moves and doing machine gun moves, they should not be as well oiled as if right. it was Shelly teaming with the other. So, yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was a good way to continue the momentum going for the show. I think the the like topic of the finish is so interesting because I actually completely agree with you in within this world, which is the, you know, this is impact. This is what the promotion is. I think it was the right finish, but this is the, one of those weird impacts, like impact isms where, you know, for a fact, there are people that woke up on Saturday morning and looked at the results and was like, wait, why did <laughs> Saban and Kushida, these guys who are, you know, I mean, Saban and Kushida and Shelley could be on AEW Dynamite next Wednesday and that audience would pop for them. Whereas I think Dean is a good pro and Eric Young has been a good pro for 20 years, but they are impact guys, right? And the audience is mine. Do you think that's a hard balance for impact? Well, because while we both agree this was the right finish for this particular story, I can't help but wonder that's one of their issues is that when you're in impact, you kind of become a part of the furniture in that way. You know, it's, it's a really interesting challenge I think they have with guys that are impact guys as opposed to guys that are just wrestling stars stopping for impact. What do you think? See, I, yeah, it, I, I can see what you're saying, but at the same time, a part of me feels as though it's not 
it's not always a bad thing yeah. because it's just it's something that needs to be done it's something that should be done so mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like why why mess with why mess with like what the logical thing to do is like right. this is a situation where violent by design should get the win and mm-hmm. yes saban and kushida are the bigger stars but kushida is not somebody who can who who's going to suffer that much from taking a loss here and saban definitely isn't so you can do what you can to help violent by design and you can always get kushida win back later mm-hmm. if you really feel as though he needs to and yeah to your point he is kind of be more of a of a stop and go kind of guy in impact so why not protect more of your impact talent yeah no i'm with you absolutely it's just it's such an interesting i mean look here's a perfect example a couple months ago, I did Slammiversary, right? Or last month, whenever it was. It feels like years ago now. So much has happened. <laughs> but they did Slammiversary, and Eric Young was the main event. And right. anyone that's watched Eric Young's career knew he was not going to have a bad match in that spot. He just right. wasn't. He's, he works too hard. He's too much of a pro. He's going to have a good match. But there was a wider sentiment among people that aren't, you know, Impact fans instead of just sort of wrestling fans of why is Eric Young in the main event? And that's where I think they're kind of... Their split personality is a strength because it allows them cool matches like this and a, and a variety show vibe. But I do think that's one of their kind of uh, challenges, hurdles to overcome, I guess, with this a bit. Guys that the wider wrestling audience sees as that's a guy who belongs in Impact versus guys that are stopping through. Isn't interesting. I don't, know, I don't know the right answer, to be clear. I just think it's kind of – it's an interesting thing to kick around, you know? Yeah, I think I think in, in that kind of situation, it, the, the question really does go back to that idea of – whether or not impact the audience right is how many people are actively watching and how many of them are really talking about shows like this because if you are paying attention to you'd know and the the issue there and that's where i can i can see the problem with it is if somebody is not as aware of the impact product as they could be or maybe should be would they then want to watch Slammiversary seeing that match? Like, mm-hmm. uh, just if you just see, we're going to have Josh, we're going to have him uh, uh, defending against Eric Young, uh, huh. would that be something that you tune into? Maybe that's, that is hurting that ability to draw people into the fold. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it feels as though it's it's worked for Impact for, for such yeah. a long time that, I don't know, it doesn't seem a reason to go away from it. It's interesting for sure. There was a, there was a moment, I reviewed one of their TVs. I think it was the one... Um, with Saban and Shelley wrestling, I think I want to say it was. It, it was one deal where that they number did one that. contender. Yeah, I believe it was that one. I could be wrong. I think it may have been a Kashida match, but it was recent TV and Violent by Design hit the ring afterwards. And I just it gives me kind of I find it jarring sometimes because while I like the act and you know Joe Doring is I think I'm so happy for him that he's getting any kind of spotlight like this. I think it's great, but it is I could definitely see someone stopping in being like, why is this happening? You know, so <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Quickly on Kushida, um, are you excited for this post-WWE run? He seems to be off to a good start. Obviously, one of the great wrestlers of the last decade and change. Where are you at on Kushida at this point? So I was never really the biggest Kushida fan. Mm-hmm. However, what I will say is I do feel bad for the guy in that he, uh, he wanted to be in the heavyweight yeah. division for New Japan. And New Japan was like, yeah, but have you seen our junior division? <laughs> we really <laughs> need some help here, buddy. And so he was like, I guess, I guess he said, you know, fine, whatever, I'll be in the junior. But I think that he would be – he is somebody who is well-poised if he did make that transition to the heavyweights, maybe next year or the year after. He would have some amazing matches mm-hmm. because of that size differential. He would have – you'd probably gain some weight for sure. But 
because of his smaller size, because of his ability to move around the ring. I wouldn't, I mean, I don't consider him, uh, I consider Osprey better than him. However, yeah. I would say that it would be very similar to Osprey's transition mm -hmm. to the heavyweights. And that's something I'll be looking forward to watching. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I will say too, and this is one for you and I especially, I think he's a name to circle in regards to the revived Ring of Honor. I think he yes. could definitely be a yes. guy they book because they're putting a tape like once a month, right? Mm -hmm. Most likely. He's definitely a guy I think you can kind of, I wouldn't say assume, but feels very likely he's going to show up on that front, right? It just feels like the right kind of talent, you know, Tony would Yeah, I, and I feel as though he's going to really serve also a good purpose in New Japan Strong. Yes, That's sure. also going to be a great home for him as well. Yeah. Talk about good shows that more people should watch, right? Strong is like, it's like its own <laughs> island. It was an amazing moment. I believe it was this weekend they crowned the tag champs finally on yeah. Strong. And they did a SummerSlam weekend show, and Ian Riccoboni just said who wins the belts. And it's like, man, <laughs> like even the announcers, like, no one's going to watch it. It's, like, it's crazy. That show is like a, it's like a secret. It's such a good program. It's just... It's hard, man. Eyes, you know, is a different shot every night, right? I do, I do want to say, because you reminded me of something. Um, so I, I haven't watched uh, outside of the the few times that I've watched WWE mm -hmm. to help out True Heels. I have not watched WWE since I think April 2020. Right. And so sometimes when I'm watching Impact, hearing Tom's commentary. Almost throws me for a loop because I'm like, why is Michael Cole here? Because if you if you listen very closely, oh, he does some yeah. of the same vocal mannerisms as Michael Cole because I'm that's all... who he learned from. And so it's just because you brought up Riccoboni, so like it, it got me thinking about uh, commentators. But yeah. Hannah fans sometimes it just has this like just Michael Coleism about him, and I'm like, wow, like you don't always think about the impact no pun intended mm -hmm. of mentors on people that they've trained and cole really has had uh, a yeah. huge impact on on his on his commentary i will say and i know you don't watch like cole has been it's hilarious like the cliche of cole is better without vince that being true again immediately is incredible <laughs> like what a bit that is it's 100 real i will say i think tom does a great job and I think he's been a great addition, you know, because I think the team before was struggling a little bit. It is um, the thing you mentioned about the cold, like kind of nature of his voice. It does strike me that that's like where we're kind of headed, right? Like, you know, we all roll our eyes at JR and rightly so. And, you know, Tony here, like, it sure feels like in 20 years, it could just be a bunch of Tom Hannafins. Like, you know, <laughs> there was someone doing a podcast like this, being like, man, when I was a kid, they had Tom Phillips. That dude was, he was the real deal, you know? It's a I mean, weird that, vibe, man. That's why I would love for somehow, some way, if Tony could get Mauro Ronaldo. Yeah. Oh my God, that's, they would be so, so much better. Not that commentary in AEW is necessarily that bad, but like, yeah. Mar if you paired someone like Mauro Ronaldo with, a Taz, I feel like yeah. that would be really, really phenomenal. I've seen a lot of debate about Moro, you know, and there was there was even debate today because someone tweeted, um, someone tweeted about Triple H bringing him back, and there was a whole debate about. It. I've always liked Moro. He's he's very divisive in some ways. Again, I wonder about kind of what his schedule looks like. Yeah, because he, he did a spot for Impact, right? He did the Kenny match. Remember that was a thing. He yes, did? yes. I wonder if he could do stuff like that, like specials and stuff. It's yeah, if for for AEW, I I don't think I'd want him uh, every week. 
Right. For sure, no. Like maybe just the pay-per-views and maybe mm-hmm. like the Battle of the Belts, that kind of stuff. That like just to just to add that 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 next level feel to it. The same way that AEW is saying, hey, JR is only gonna be on the on the second mm-hmm. hour for dynamite. And here in Impact to bring it to bring it back to Impact, I think that uh Matt and Tom, they have a good chemistry together. They really do play off of each other very well. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you know, I'm I'm on your side of the Moro thing. I just think some of us kind of long for announcers having their own, like, you know, their own shtick and like, like Tom and Matt are really solid, but they're just, they don't like have very many calls where you go, my God, they're really feeling it right now. Right. Right. They, just, right, they yeah. call the action and they're good at it, you know? And, and so, tough. and so that I think goes back to Michael Cole teaching Tom Phillips yeah. a certain way, but that being the Vince way that mm-hmm. he wanted Michael Cole to teach Tom Phillips. So that's yeah. why it's really interesting to hear some <laughs> of those Cole mannerisms to be like, you can, you can, you can break out a little bit from yeah. this buddy. He's tone, like the way he like goes up. And yes. And stuff, that's he's exactly. Like, it's exactly pure Cole. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, Kenny King was out next. He called out Heath. They had Macklin and Sammy reappear. And then he was distracted long enough. And Heath came in. I would say Kenny King, um, this was quite a task, making this seem like organic and believable. I thought he did as good a job as you can, considering that he called someone out and was immediately distracted from them. I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah. Um, this is, in fear of going in circles, John, this is kind of another example of what I was talking about. Heath is definitely one of those guys that, like, if you watch the show, you may be into the red-headed rebel. But, like, you throw up a Heath graphic... Is people are not really they're not really in on, on it. It's it's a challenging thing, their you first, know. Their first thought is, doesn't he have kids or something? Like that right, that's yeah, their first well. thought. Yeah. What did you think of this uh of this <laughs> Kenny King business? <laughs> uh, so as somebody who as some I'm not from Chicago, but I live in Chicago, I appreciated some of the Chicago shout-outs uh mm-hmm. from the show. But uh Kenny King just I don't know if we if we do kind of like a MVP or LVP. He gets one of the LVP nominations for yeah. the night for calling yeah. them out. Then when Macklin and and and, uh, and Sammy show up, he's just like, "Yeah, beat his ass, beat his ass, beat his ass." <laughs> I'm just gonna completely turn my back. <laughs> and then and then of course and then the best part of it is Heath comes out, rolls into the ring, mm-hmm. and waits. For Kenny King yeah. to turn around. It's like, dude, just go up there and beat the shit out of him. And Kenny King turns around. And he's like, there's like this yeah. moment where he's like frozen in fear. Like, wait Called a minute. Called him out, man. Wait like, a minute. <laughs> I didn't think he would actually show up. <laughs> yeah, it was strange. I, I feel like Kenny maybe, you know, would have been in fair position. Be like, hey, guys, can we do something different? Like, maybe. Like, can we, can we maybe look less like an asshole on the TV? I guess. Oh, it's fine. He's a hero. And, he and then the Heath thing at the end where he's with, with Gia was funny, funny as hell, too. Because I was like, Heath, you do realize you're asking a Chicago Midwest crowd to give you a rebel yell. Like, you do understand, like, this doesn't. <laughs> Like it's not the right, it's not the right demographic. <laughs> like, yeah. All right, buddy. It's just it's it's hard because like I'm not saying he's not a good talent, or it's just like I wonder who in the impact audience is like, oh fuck yeah, you know, like, he like <laughs> I wonder who that is. This is what always intrigues about the ex-WWE guys. Like, is that an audience that is there a person that watches WWE and then follows Heath to impact? Is that a thing that we or are we just saying he's a good talent? He should be in the promotion. I don't know. Well, the way the way Impact uh, built him up back when they first got him, you think that people were. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I don't. I mean, I I can't really think of anybody like the 
the one guy in a three-man band who didn't do anything, the one guy yeah. out of Nexus that didn't do anything. It's weird, man. It's weird. And again, it's not even a knock on him, right? It's just no, like, no. It's just a weird deal. Um, and, and I will say, like, when he's during that segment, he just looked like he was living his best life. Like, yeah. he was just like, he, he's like, I'm, I'm here, I'm happy, I'm moisturized, I'm, I'm, living, I'm living my best life. Yeah. He's having a good time. He's fun. It's just, it's just an interesting. Their roster's such a mix of, of kind of, oh, you know, philosophies. It's interesting. Speaking of such, Bandito. <laughs> this is very horrible. Next, and what a transition. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. It's, it's a unique deal. Obviously, it's kind of a, a special occasion thing to have this match on. Bandito may be sticking around. I don't know. I mean, he's. It appears there's no interest for me, which I find to be insane. Like it's kind of puzzling to me. I, I don't really get it, but. I've always took a little while to click, and then when it did, it went wild. I mean, Horace had that crazy dive over the top. Bandito did some of his great power spots, the big deadlift uh, yeah, suplex. I mean, it was a hell of a time. What did you think of uh, of this one, pal? I mean, this was a this was a throwback to uh, yeah. to some old Ring of Honor stuff, like mm-hmm. and they and they which they even alluded to as a talking about Mexi Squad with uh, Flamita. But this match was really well done to me. I think that it was kind of a the crowd was into it because, you know, it does have that special attraction kind of banner to it. So it's like we're going to see something we don't normally see. But I also think that this was a match that for these guys, they could do in their sleep. Like they, yeah. they, they've, wrestled, they've wrestled with each other and against each other mm-hmm. so many times that yeah. it's just a match that they can do in their sleep. And something that's, you know, we were talking about that earlier with Speedball and Jack Evans. Get them in the ring. See if they have that chemistry. That's these two guys are two guys that have that chemistry with each other. And it's one of those kind of effortless. uh, I know where you'll be. You know where I'll be. Mm -hmm. We just, it just flows. And uh, I will say that some of the, some of the, like the tit for tat kind of bits were a little bit like, ah, like I didn't need it. I didn't need it, but I was like, okay. I mean, I I see what they're going for. Mm -hmm. All right. Like as long as it's executed well, I'll be like, okay, I can, I can let yeah. some spots go, but that deadlift, that deadlift that was crazy, man. <laughs> he went up like a bully. It was nuts, right? And he's just holding, he's just holding them there. I'm like, wait a minute. If yeah. he falls, I was like, oh god, yeah. don't drop him, don't drop. What did you think of the uh, the double knockout spot? That was one for me where I kind of went, oh, I understand it, but I don't know. <laughs> like the the most sat up on the line, was, you know, like a pure. It was like a pure lucha moment to me because I was yeah. like, "This is this is what I would expect that they were gonna do if they were down somewhere in Mexico, just doing a show." It's mm-hmm. it's a spot that and, and then of course we'll sit. Uh, I think it was I think it was Hannafed. He was like, "Brothers of Destruction, be damned." I was like, yeah, okay, "He didn't need yeah. that reference." <laughs> that was a wild reference. To me. <laughs> like I get what he was going for. My God. Um, yeah, it was. It was. It did have. It had big, like greatest hits energy. It was like this guy yeah. and you know, let's play the hits, have some fun. And listen, the crowd loved it. This is one of the more interesting things to talk about. I think you know, this was Chicago crowd, which obviously there's always a a perception of Chicago crowds. They're like just wrestling fans, right? That's yeah. always the kind of wider. And obviously, while it isn't a huge crowd, I think that was noticeable here. Did the reaction to this match, in your view, to me, this was very promising and encouraging from an impact perspective because. The crowd being into this tells me that the general wrestling fan is starting to come around to the idea of going to Impact shows. Because there was a time where when outsiders were coming to Impact, the crowd would only know them if they'd been on their TV. 
I always was encouraged in that regard. I see what you're saying. I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, I think I think it is a I think it is a pretty good example of that, a, a good good evidence for that. But at the same time, even if you aren't that familiar with Ray Horace, right. more a lot of people do know Bandito. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a it is a step in the right direction, and I'd like to see them continue with it, and I'd like to see how they're going to build on this uh, AAA relationship that they that they have. Uh, I mean, most of the most a lot of the AAA titles are just in AEW, yeah. <laughs> um, with the exception of of all of the ones that are on. Uh, uh, actually, no, actually, got the guy holding out of their three singles titles, if I remember right. Uh, one is the world titles on of uh, Vikingo, but the rest mm-hmm. are on Ray Phoenix, actually. Yeah. So, so yeah, almost all of them are in AEW. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there, there's got to be a way that they can continue to build on this relationship. And I think, or I hope, that having this match will give people like Scott Demore backstage in Impact more reason to try it. And that's so. just yeah. Impact trying new things, and I'm here for it. It's really interesting. Like we've talked about it a lot, and we'll kind of we, we keep going back to it, right? Like Impact right now is a blend of like a cool—I don't mean this is an insult, but like a cool super indie that hosts things that happen in wrestling at the moment, like hot things in wrestling. Like Bandito just stops through, and you get a cool match, and it's like right. they do a lot of stuff like that now. But it's also the kind of place to reinvent XWWE guys, yeah. And, that marriage is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just an interesting thing to watch. Like we just did it. Heave cut a promo, cut to the ring for Bandido. It's like, listen, man, you can't say they ain't trying. <laughs> <laughs> they're certainly, they're certainly trying. Um, yeah. Let's circle back to Sammy Callan and Steve Macklin because this was oh, their directional match. I do have to say, because this was incredible. So Moose had a promo. They they overlap with that. Uh, before we do this, actually, shout out to Brian who was resubscribed two months. Resubscribe Prime. Thank you very much, Prime. We appreciate you. Thank so you, Brian. they had Moose and they overlapped into this and they're doing this brawl. And they had the nerve to build to Scott Demore's music. They played it, and Tom was like, Oh my god. And I was like, What is it? Who is it? And then just Scott Demore has like his own graphic and it flashed up. I couldn't believe that as a deal. Anyway, they started an ODQ match before we even get to the match itself. Where did you stand on all of this? Like kind of shenanigans presentation wise the brawling through the crowd the scott the more music where'd you stand on all of this business <laughs> so it reminded me of uh it reminded me of dean ambrose and Brody lee yeah having i think it was a last man it was another last man standing match I or, remember or like a 2015 yeah yeah, yeah 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 and then bat they're starting the match leaving the ring the rest of the show continuing and then all of a yeah. sudden them coming back and having the, the remainder of the match now, my only reason, the thing that I didn't like about this was that the match didn't actually start, right? Yeah. Like, they were they were brawling outside, and they just kept going. Like, in my mind, the ref should have thrown the match out completely and said, right. neither man is fit to continue. Mm-hmm. Like, they shouldn't have even had the option of, of having this. And if they had, had rang the bell, then you would count up both guys out mm-hmm. so that part of it through was was throwing me for a loop as they were you know and then just showing like the having them come out again and then go back with the during the heath uh during the heath and kenny king thing i was like all right cool like i could see as soon as they yeah. came out the second time i was like this is going to end up back in the ring but then i'm like wait a minute they never actually rang the bell like they never started anything right. and so so then, so then moose who to me is a complete innocent in this, right? <laughs> I believe Moose. 
I take him at his word when yeah. he says he has nothing to do with any of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he gets he gets pulled into this because who attacks him? Sammy Callahan attacks him. And then, so he gets dragged into this whole thing. And so what's Scott DeMore's brilliant idea? He says, I'm going to make this a no DQ match. But, Moose, you're banned from ringside in a no Media. DQ match. Strong authority like, figure, brother. Wait a minute. What are we doing here? Moose didn't even do anything. He got attacked. It's his. Look, man. If anything, you should have turned this into a two-on-one handicap match and yeah. let them beat that Justice. asshole Sammy Callahan down. He attacked Scott- the man backstage. Scott's got his music. He has to protect his integrity as an authority figure. You know, he weren't he weren't gonna let he weren't doing no jobs tonight, brother. It was what it was. But uh, that was I'm with you. Watching it, I was like working on the under the idea that they had already started the match. And then when he was like, We'll start now, I was like, okay, fine. It was um the match itself, I thought was was kind of refreshingly heated. Yeah. Macklin getting busted open like actively popped me because I thought they were gonna just do plunder and like that's fine. But it was actually kind of brutal um, and you know, kind of grueling in a way. Crowd were way into this, by the way. Everything we just talked about with the brawling worked a treat for this crowd. They loved it. They were firmly behind Sammy. Um, it was a good time. I didn't think it was, you know, blow or anything. But I'm high on Macklin and what he's given them. I think he's a great example of an actual guy who's reinvented himself. Yeah. Um, he will probably be in a very nice position now that Triple H is back in power up there. But he's done a hell of a time in Impact. So I, I've always matched with a really good time. What did you think of the match itself? I thought the match was really well done. I mm. can't lie. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't expecting too much out of this. Once Scott yeah. said it was going to be a no DQ match, because I was like, okay, like this is just going into Callahan's wheelhouse. This is. It's really. It, there's nothing fair really for Macklin. This isn't Macklin's yeah. wheelhouse, and it should be a, a a fair fight. But then seeing that viciousness from Macklin mm. really was like, okay, this is. You always got to you always got to punch up to the level of your opponent, and mm-hmm. that's not to say that Macklin isn't a, a talent. It's to say that no DQ matches are not his wheelhouse, and mm-hmm. so he had to push himself to get into that. And I don't know who authorized the number of what looked like unprotected chair shots that we got <laughs> to Macklin, but if I was Deanna backstage, I would be like, okay. Yeah, it's wild. Some I, I still need to get married to this person. Like we we have a <laughs> wedding very soon. Like if, you know, like can we can we roll this along? Oh, there's another one. Oh mm-hmm. boy. Oh, you threw the chair so hard and in such a way that it latched itself onto. Dude, that's my favorite because this is there was a couple actual headshots in this that were like swings. Yeah, but my favorite thing that like current dumb wrestlers doing and honestly I have no problem. It's everything in wrestling is dumb. Do your thing. I nothing to do with me. I'm not your you know parent or whatever. But this new thing where wrestlers think that if you just like throw the chair, that's fine. Like, yeah, that is an incredible bit that's happened in modern wrestling. Like, listen, bro, do not swing that chair at my head. But if you throw it as hard as you possibly can, and it wraps around my skull. I'll be fine. Just launch it. So they did both in this. They, you know, had their cake and ate it too. It was, it was something, man. You're right. That was a, uh, that was pretty wild to see in 2022. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, it doesn't bother me, but I could see why people would be like, chill on that stuff. It was. Uh, it was saying, Macklin, have you seen a lot of his impact run? Because I've been really impressed. How much have you seen of Steve Macklin and impact? I wouldn't say I've seen a lot of it. I have seen right. some of it, but not not enough to really be able to say that. I think that, you know, I, I think he definitely has earned the spot where he's at. And yeah. I think that he is slowly rising up. But I would say that I've, I've seen some people say that he is a world champion material. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know that for myself just because right. I haven't seen it as much. So that's that's where I would say my my knowledge of him is. I think that's fair. I mean, I think he's the kind of guy who's most valuable as being underneath that, right? Like the comparison I've always made, and this is ironic because this guy did win their world title, but I've always called him like he's like Impact Sheamus. He's a guy who gives you really physical matches underneath. Um, obviously, again, Sheamus was pushed that level. But I think if you look at Sheamus' career, he's actually most valuable when he's not at that level. He's better yeah. as being like a kind of a, a premier role player, if that makes sense. There's there, there are a lot of guys in wrestling who benefit when commentary is able to say this person is in the ring with a former world champion. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Sheamus is absolutely one of those people. Yes. Because – you know, and and I'm often reminded of Jericho talking to Vince and saying, Vince, you know, when he was having his, his later runs in mm-hmm. WWE before he left for New Japan and then AEW, him saying to Vince, look, you can have people beat me a lot. And you can keep saying former world champion, former world champion, beat right. Steve Austin Rock in the same night. But if they don't see me win... <laughs> It loses yeah. its value every time somebody pins me. And I think that's something that for Sheamus, we do see him lose, but we do see him win. And yeah, if I Macklin agree. is going to have that kind of a role or a similar position, mm-hmm. I think actually he will be a world champion because he is perfect for down the road beating the shit right. out of somebody. And commentary is like, this is a former world champion. Yeah. And then the person gets the comeback win over him. I think the key with him will just be, and I, I mean, I, I said it in jest, but I think it's the truth. He absolutely is someone that the kind of PC um, crew, uh, you know, the performance center crew was like, they loved him. Yeah. So I absolutely think there'll be a contract waiting for him. And honestly, man, I mean, good for that. Dude. He's, I think he's earned it. He's run the first time was completely fucked over. Right. So <laughs> good luck to him. I think that'll be a, a factor in his future, but this, uh, Ironically, ironically, his run was ruined by a former Impact yeah. guy. Well, yeah. No one claims him anymore, <laughs> let me tell you. Well, I'm sure someone does, but no one you want to talk to anyway. Um, do you think it's hard for Impact to keep Sammy Callahan like, fresh and involved? Because I know he just came back from an injury, but God bless the guy. I feel like any time I've gone to an Impact show, or watched the Impact show in the last four years, he's doing like a hardcore match. And yeah. it, man, it kind of... I know their audience loves him, but it's challenging. I think, right? It can it can be a it can be a bit much, and that's why as soon as Scott Demore said this is going to yeah. be a notice qualification, I was like, God damn it! Like, why is it another one? Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> why is it another one? Whether whether he's whether he's in hardcore matches with Eddie Edwards, whether it's here now with Macklin, just yeah. over the years, he just seems to be that. You know, uh, who who am I thinking of? Uh, from back in the day, uh, maybe Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn used to have a lot of hardcore matches mm-hmm. in in old in old Impact, old TNA, and so did RVD and Abyss. And so Abyss, it kind of feels yeah. as though he is that role, like that. And you yeah. know what? This, in a weird way, goes back to what we were talking about and starting off with, where even when he loses somebody, Scott Demore is such a good identifier of talent that he can mm-hmm. find somebody to fit in that role. Is yeah. Sammy Callahan like an RVD or Jerry Lynn or Abyss? Absolutely not. Those are three very right. different wrestlers, and he himself is very different. But does he fill the role of Impact's hardcore mm-hmm. uh, no DQ guy? Yes, he absolutely does. So yeah. it, the character can be different, but Demore understands role players. Now, if she just you know cared a little bit more about Sammy Callahan's body, 
when Sammy Callahan's 70, maybe, I, maybe it'd be nice. I think Sammy would have these matches anywhere. Oh, yeah, that's true. that's true. Yeah, he's in that kind of – it's interesting, you're right. It's definitely – that's like his role, right? That is definitely absolutely it. Um, shout out to my pal Chop, who gave out a sub, community sub. If you got that sub, feel free to thank good brother in the chat. We appreciate you, John. Okay, let's move forward here. On and on more, you mentioned them earlier. Up against Bullet Club. This has kind of been a thing as of late, the multi-man match on Impact shows, like kind of in the middle. They're like these kind of long cool-down things they do. It's, yeah. it's actually They've done it consistently this year um, to mixed results, I would say. This was no DQ. I will say they're very seldom today for victims. I think they're very good at placement. This going after the last match was a mistake, right? Like, that was strange. Um, they brought at the bell. There was enough talent involved for this to be, like, fun. It wasn't the most inspired effort. I think it's fair. So they mostly just kind of did, you know, just filled their time and it was okay. I will say I was stunned at the result. I just thought this had to be it. No. You know, because be. you, you, no way. You was, you was, uh. so what do you think? What do you think they're going with this thing? Because I just feel like it has to end. Ring of Honor's back now, you know. I don't know. <laughs> well, well, Tony has the first show of interest in signing some of these people, and yeah, well, and also, uh, you know, as somebody who does cover NWA, we have seen the OGK show up a bit in NWA. So it's also possible that Taven and uh, and Bennett don't want to sign with AEW or mm-hmm. you know in, with Ring of Honor, which is which is fine, but. This this match where they either got a title shot or they had to disband, it doesn't work in in honor, it doesn't work in, in Bullet Club's favor for the for the outcome because you have to have challengers for those tag titles. And the other issue is that for honor no more, if they separated, where would mm-hmm. they all go? There's no, well, there's no, for, for a couple of their members, there's really no direction. Eddie Edwards can easily plug himself back into the main event status, but right. his whole, his whole uh, character right now is this anti-impact thing. He was the guy who turned, he was the don't trust mm-hmm. anybody of, uh, of impact. It's hard for him to have an identity moving forward beyond that. For yeah. OGK, it's very easy. You go into the tag division, but for Kenny King, for PCO and for Vincent, you'd have almost no direction. So I think mm-hmm. it's smarter to keep the group together and maybe start to build up more of the tension within the group before you actually can separate them because you have some place for everybody to, to fit into. I'm torn because everything you said makes sense, but I can't help but feel as though this is kind of one of those cases of the total is less than some of its parts. In That's the sense fair, yeah, that no, I get it. I think most of these guys have a role to play on Impact. But I have to. This is just me personally. That particular act, I just find it to be. It doesn't do much for me. And I agree with you. I think they've done a nice job of using the guys and getting stuff out of them. And it's a big part of their TV. But I just, I don't know what the ceiling of such an act is. I feel like it may have run its course by this. Well, I guess, I guess my read on it. I don't know. So, so as as somebody who is is more dedicated with with impact than I am, I guess my question here is: Have they really gone after the world title? No, I will say that's that, where um, it is. That's let's, where it is. Let's, let's be careful on the dedicated talk that could backfire on you. <laughs> <laughs> don't pair those words. As someone that's, I watch it loosely. I don't think so. I think it's very likely that Eddie is the match for Josh at Bound for Glory, which is going to get. Look, I think the match will be killer, but that's going to get one of those reactions we were talking about Eric Young, where people go, "Why?" Right? It's going to be what happens, and maybe unfairly, maybe fairly. I don't know, but. It'll be interesting. Because know. the and this is this is a weird thing because you know 
more than that, you know, when you talk about uh, things looking weird on paper, more than uh, than Josh Alexander versus Eddie Edwards for the Impact World Title, stranger on paper is the idea. If somebody told you Bullet Club is the face in this, yeah, feed. it's weird. It's really, it's weird. just, it doesn't make sense. Like they no. go from being cheered and being loved here to then they're assholes in Japan. Like it just, so it, it, yeah. it's, it's, it doesn't make sense. But one thing that I, I will say is that for a group whose idea identity is honor no more, attacking impact, kind of uh, mm-hmm. not necessarily destroying it from the inside, but proving that the company doesn't care about people, right. the power is in that world title. You have to go after that world title because the world title symbolizes so much. So if they haven't already, and they or they haven't done so with a, a, a real level of dedication, that has to be where they go before they before they break I, up. I will say to a couple of weeks ago on TV, they did like a they did a vignette or an angle of some kind where Eddie appeared to be trying to like convince Josh that he should be on their side of this argument. So yeah, I think there's going to be a whole because obviously you know Josh had his own like conflict with management and impact. It was like a whole build to these title wins. So they'll do different stuff. I think the match itself will be really good. It will be a, a discourse, as the kids say, but I, I'm you know, I'm fine with it, I guess. What did you think of the match itself, the big 10-man? So the match itself was as, as chaotic as any 10-man no-DQ match should yeah. be. And that's both good and bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, when it was good, it was really good. When it was bad, it was just like, what is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> like, why is so much of this happening? Uh, the one thing that, that didn't make sense to me, similar to the, the previous one was it's a no DQ match. And they're like, Maria's leaving because she knows what's going to happen. I'm like, wouldn't she yeah, stay? Yeah. She could do anything. Yeah. Like, it just it seems weird to me. Um, but yeah, it, it, the match, I, I think that to me, the biggest takeaway for me was that Ace Austin and Chris Bay, they got to get bigger pushes yeah. sooner rather than later. It's, it's, I agree. It's crazy that, you know, I think it was Slammiversary 2020. There was such a big push and such yep. a big support for Ace Austin to win that world title in that fatal, I think it was fatal four-way until it turned into a five-way. But mm-hmm. um, there was such a push for him. And it just seems as though with some people, impact will drop the ball repeatedly. I think there's a run, you know, this is just guesswork. I think there are some guys, there's a real concern about them leaving. Yeah. And so they end up in this bizarre middle ground where it's like we can't push them too strong because they may be done after this, but we can't bury them because they're great talent. So you end up with this like you just said it two years ago, man. It felt like you should be the world champion. He's kind of floated around, right? And it and it has its own and that strategy has another drawback where you unintentionally piss off the talent to exactly. make them want to leave. Yeah, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy almost, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. he's gonna leave anyway. <laughs> like, well, maybe he wouldn't. I don't know, man. Maybe push the guys. It's interesting. I'm not sure. Um, we've already liked this show. The next two matches are the things going to kind of put over the top here. Jordan Grace and Mia Yim up next. Scott Armstrong was in the house because he was the referee here, right? Which was, which was interesting. Hot crowd for this one. We had trading chance. I loved this match, man. They had like a respectful babyface opening, then they got real intense. It was really interesting to me the way that they kind of positioned Jordan as like an underdog for the first, you know, portion of the match. Like Mia was so in control. And Mia, you kind of forget because we, I think we're all still adjusting to her wrestling regularly again. 
how believable her offense is, how physical she'd be. Right. She was very believable in control of the match against Jordan Grace. And I think that's no mean feat. Great work throughout. Crowd loved it. I loved it too. Gracie, Miriam doing good. Uh, John, what do you think of the knockout style match? So I, I I like how you put it with them showing that Mia Yim was in control for so long, but that's kind of what you need to do against yeah. Jordan Grace. Mm-hmm. Like she's such a powerhouse and she is arguably the strongest woman in that division that you have mm-hmm. to, to show how strong somebody else is or how well uh, strategy wise somebody else is to beat her. Like, Deanna mm-hmm. didn't beat her through strength. Deanna beat her through smarts. Right. And here, Mia Yim is saying, I'm going to try to, I have to try to beat you through strength. Or at least try that first and yeah. take that fight to you. And Jordan is such a great talent for her, for her in-ring work that she is able to elevate somebody's offense yes. and make it look so much better than it may, may be or may not be. Yeah. And this was a, a, a well-thought-out match. I think that the slow pace in the beginning did hurt it a little bit, but they mm-hmm. did kind of move into that second gear towards the end. And the the the, the trading of the I will say the one thing I, I wasn't that big of a fan of was when they they ended up. Uh, she had her oh man she had um she had Mia Yim in the in the submission hold and then Mia breaks the submission hold. That part's great. And then they kept their legs locked together and that yes. whole like exchange. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is. Just the angles of it doesn't seem right I to fully, me. Like I'm trying to smack you like this way, and I'm apparently yeah. it's hurting you, but it's not really. So I that really part liked of it, it. I did think to your point about just like that is a general sentiment more broadly. I did think they kind of fell victim to like they wanted to pack in a lot of stuff at the end, and it was right. very exciting. But it did for a match that I think only went 13, 40 minutes. It did feel like they kind of went like a couple kind of sequence back and forth, false finishes too strong, right? It was like, there was a, there was a slight balance, I think they just missed. And I said that, so I really love the match, but I get what you mean. There were a few moments late where it was kind of like, I think you've overthought this slightly, right? So yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, I will say the crowd really wanted Mira in the end because she was just so impressive in the match. They were really rocking the title change, which happened in the main event too. They didn't get either, <laughs> but um, I think it makes sense, right? The finishes were the, you know, the right call on both fronts. Jordan won in a kind of sequence post-match. We had Masha Snowich come out. Um, is that the Bound for Glory match, do you think? Or is there another twist in this towel? She went straight for Jordan. Oof. What do you think? Yeah, I think that maybe – I think Bound for Bound for Glory, they could easily turn this into a triple threat. Yeah. And I think that might be the way to go. Mm. But I think it depends on how much they believe in Masha Slamovich. Yeah. If this is a if this is a situation, and this there's been some conversation about why is Impact taking so long to push somebody? Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise, right? We're just talking about that. Yeah. So um, I think that this is a situation where for them they have to be very strategic in what they do. But if they do believe in Masha Slamovich, I would do the triple threat. If they yeah. don't believe in Masha Slamovich, I would still do the triple threat, and that's where Mia Yim can win the title if you don't believe in Slamovich. But I think the question is going to be what they do at Victory Road, and a part of me wants to believe that it's going to involve Slamp Masha, and then somehow Mia's going to get involved that cause a DQ, too. something mm-hmm. to that effect, uh, maybe even just a distraction that causes a countout or something like that. Right. But I think the goal is to get to that tri- get to a triple threat, and that would be a great match. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's probably there's something to be said for that because. On TV, Masha doesn't even like sell for anyone. She's like a destroyer. So 
that a triple threat would allow you to kind of balance that, right? She could be a monster without having the match go six minutes or whatever. Obviously, she, to be clear, we both aware she's way better than this. We're talking about their usage of her, to be clear. Right. Right? We, right. we know she can have a long match and go great with Jordan Grace. It's more the way they use her. Um, I will say, I get a feeling this Mia Yim story is going to be a really interesting lesson to other wrestlers. Because I don't know if you know what the deal is, John, but she signed a very short-term deal with Impact. Okay, yeah, when, I know. When, I'm not that up, up to speed so on that. When she, I think she signed a six-month deal, okay? Wow. Now, okay. when she signed that deal... Vince McMahon was still in charge over at WWE. You know, ah. Keith Lee was relatively new in AEW, but more than that, the women's division, they were looking at bringing in some other people that may now be back in WWE, which, you know, that goes without saying. You see them on Monday nights. And I think there is a lesson that may be learned at the end of this, and I could be completely wrong, folks. There could be no offer waiting for her. But I think that when this six-month deal comes up, Mia may find herself in a position where now both companies are more interested than they were when she signed, which... I don't know what, where you're at on this, but as a sports fan, it's like some wrestlers could learn from you. Don't have to sign five year deals every yeah. single time, man. Like things can change quickly. That could be an interesting story, I think, to watch. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think that we're seeing that a lot in in sports in general. Yeah. You know, in, in in football, people signing shorter uh, American football people sh mm -hmm. signing shorter contracts. We see that in the NBA as well. Baseball, not so much as uh, people still, they sign for longer terms just because of how baseball works. But this is a great teaching moment to say, always keep your options open. Mm -hmm. Always, you know, because there's no harm in signing a six-month deal or a one-year deal and then showing to impact that, hey, not only did I deserve the six months, but I'm going to deserve another six months with a pay bump. Mm -hmm. And if it yep. doesn't work out, or either either you have some issues there with impact and the negotiating table, negotiating table, then you always can rely on another company because yeah. you have the body of work. And it's a, it's a big it's a big belief in betting on yourself. And I got to say, for Mia Yim, that is something that I got to give kudos to her because she could also be in a position where. Keith Lee wanted to sign with AEW. Right. He signs, and she has to make a decision herself. Mm -hmm. And the question for her is, what if I go to Impact? You tell me what it's like in AEW. Right. I'll help bring my stock up a little bit more, get some people reacquainted with me, et cetera, yeah, et cetera. Yeah. And then if I if I want to, I can just I can hop over to AEW six months from now, or I can stay in Impact. Mm -hmm. So kudos to her for betting on herself. It's important to remember, right? The WWE run ended up being a disaster. It wasn't her fault, oh, yeah. but she didn't wrestle for a year. I mean, yeah. it was ridiculous. Yeah. So the idea of now being able to come into an AEW, perhaps with some momentum and some like excitement around your name, is good. I couldn't be happy for it. So it's a really interesting kind of story, I think, in terms of free agency and wrestling. Um, let's move to the main event now. Probably the most Oof. premier free agent who has no interest in signing it. <laughs> Alex Shelley just has great matches everywhere, and he's like, I'll, I'll do my thing. Josh Alexander, Alex Shelley, look, everyone knew this was going to be great. Um, it was every bit as good as I hoped it would be. I thought this was a classic world title match. I would be very intrigued to see a list of TNA Impact world title matches that are better than this, genuinely, because I think this was incredible. Um, classic opening. I love the intensity that Shelley wrestled with and the way that he he treated the match like what the story was, which is this was his first shot after all of these right. years. And there was a desperation, and it wasn't, comedic or over the top or like ridiculous it was just a pro wrestler trying to win and man was it great what did you think of the main event so when they did the 
when they did the 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 injury angle with uh, Josh's knee, my first thought was, man, do they really like? Why would you do that? Like, what's mm-hmm. the point of? Because now he's got to sell the knee throughout the rest of this match, and the, and then as soon as Shelly kept going after that yep. knee, I was like, this was brilliant mm-hmm. because this really is Shelly's first opportunity at a world title. And he needs to do not just for himself, but like he needs to do the one thing that the other machine gun was able to do. He has to have that. Like, and so it's just, it's just like that. You, you can't call somebody uh, an Alex Shelley Mark and say, here's your autograph. Like they did in that amazing, amazing contract signing segment mm-hmm. and not show this level of desperation because there is a, a level of respect that he has yeah. for Alexander and that Alexander has for him. And I think that Alexander played his role absolutely beautifully because yes. these were two faces, but something's got to give in that situation. And Alexander, how you can't build sympathy for him against Shelly when you're telling me over and over again that Shelly's never had this. He's never done mm-hmm. it. Like you always, you automatically want Shelly to win. So yep. what do you do? You make, you do this injury angle so that Alexander has to fight from underneath. And what I think commentary did a good job was noting that this was the first match or one of the first matches in Alexander's title run that he was the stronger of the mm. two guys. So as soon as you tell me he's the stronger of the two guys, it automatically makes me root for Shelly more. But then when Shelly, well, then this injury angle happens, you're like, wow, now can Alexander use that strength that is now being hindered to find a way to, to, to get the win. Yeah. So I think it was a very well thought out uh, beginning of the match. And I think that the towards the middle and the end, it played out step by step by step very, very well. The, um, the, the some of the 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 moves were just really cool to see and when when Alexander started pulling out the, the the tombstones I'm like man this is this is a guy who knows he has to put away his opponent and he's got to risk everything because a tombstone you're landing on your knee mm-hmm. it's just like that level of I gotta find a way I gotta find a way yeah. I gotta put Shelly away because I know I've seen from Day one, back in 2005, when I went to my first wrestling show, I know the resiliency of Alex Shelley. So I thought this was a very well-paired-up match. And it does kind of of make me sad that a part of me thinks that they're not going to revisit this. And I think that it's something that they could revisit down the road. I have what my, my what I have a feeling is is that somehow, some way. Shelly and Alexander are going to do the mutual respect thing and honor no more is going to go after the title. And that's how they'll get some multi-man matches with the machine guns and maybe Kushida helping Alexander to run interference against honor no more. And maybe OGK get those title belts from Mm -hmm. Gallows Anderson. And then at bound for glory, we get guns versus OGK. A part of me just like thinks like that's that makes sense. On TV, they, they kind of overlap those on TV. So I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, My concern in terms of them continuing it. And I don't think it's getting, but it did cross my mind. I really hope they don't do the like, he's so desperate. He turns heel thing with Shelly. Like don't do it. The audience loves him. What you really should learn from this, if you're like, you know, the impact booker is eventually they should actually tell this story of him winning the belt. Because people, you can tell, like, the audience really wanted it. 
and it wasn't the time this night, but that should be a no. Let's get here eventually. You know, maybe yeah. he beats the next heel champ, however it may work. But no, absolutely, you you, you nailed it in terms of the, the desperation. The tombstone spot was fabulous. Josh, the selling. Like, Josh Alexander, everyone thinks of him as like a like a physical kind of technical wrestling. And he is all those things. But, man, his understanding of psychology and selling is so tremendous. I mean, because the first part of the match, Shelley worked the arm, right? And then the yep. leg, he kind of fell into it almost. And he sold both. The stuff, the selling of the knee, I thought, was like, was magnificent. So it was great. Shelley is, um, Shelley is genuinely like one of the best wrestlers of like the last 20 years. And he, we always forget him when we list those wrestlers. Like in terms of just in ring, you look at his body of work, he's been great for genuinely most of the last 20 years. So yeah. hell of a time. I will say to me, the core idea of the match was that like Shelley wrestled the perfect match and Josh had openings. I thought the finish was more in fact than I would have guessed it would be with how they told the story. I assumed that Josh was going to catch him with something or kind of catch the ankle. I know he was more flat than that, but that's fine. Match was great. Anything else on the main event, John? Uh, man, I, I do agree with you. I really hope they don't do the turn heel thing yeah. because it, that kind of thing only works if the person is a singles person. Yeah. Like how if he turns heel, then exactly. if he wins the title, then you gotta do Saban versus Shelly again mm -hmm. because Saban's gonna be like, I gotta snap you out of this weird, yeah. you know, funk you're in. And it just it gets it gets too complicated. I think mm -hmm. that keeping him uh, a face and chasing Josh would be really cool. And yeah, to your point, I think that maybe sometime next year. Maybe maybe even as early as January. Genesis has started the year yeah. off with the, the, the year of Shelley. That would be a, a great time to, to pull the trigger on this title reign because Josh will have held it for a long mm -hmm. over a year by then, assuming he doesn't lose to somebody like an Eddie Edwards or right. whoever he faces at Bound for Glory. Yeah, I like that. I actually prefer I prefer Josh just holding it and then dropping it to Shelley down the line than like Eddie getting a run in the middle. I mean, I like it here, but I just don't think that really serves much purpose beyond you know doing it for the sake of doing it. I'm, I'm with you absolutely run this back give it some time but run it back eventually i think people will be with it okay fair to say the main event was the match of the show right who's kind of, <laughs> who's kind of silly to i mean it's a really good yeah. show but the main yeah. event was you know on its own level are you more interested in watching on thursday now or is it still one of those deals of yeah yeah, it's one one of the things I do want to add is I have a I have a special uh, place in my heart for Ethan Page, um, mm. but because uh, my 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 fiance is a is a pure pure wrestling fan, and what I mean mm. by that is she will always boo the heels and she will always cheer the faces. No matter, like, no matter no matter what <laughs> unless unless somebody's really really that damn good as being a being a, a, a right. heel like then like so for example her her two favorites are omega and moxley and when omega turned heel on moxley as it so happened it almost <laughs> broke her heart but <laughs> i have a special place for ethan page because ethan was the freelance wrestling world champion which is uh, one of the promotions here in chicago mm -hmm. and the first time i took her to an indie show the feud was Kylie Ray and Ethan Page. Kylie wasn't there at the show, but Ethan had a promo. And in the promo, he said some very mean things about Kylie Ray. I'm sure. <laughs> and, and my fiance did not like that one bit. So she's always hated Ethan Page. And as a result, in order to troll her, I've always loved Ethan Page. <laughs> but because of that, when, when, when the North split up and Ethan left and Josh remained, 
a part of me was like, ah, we don't we don't need that Josh Alexander guy. Like, as long as we got Ethan Page, we're great. Like, send him to AEW. This is gonna be awesome. And now there's a there's a twofold thing in it for me. One, I really wish Josh Alexander had come to AEW because mm-hmm. some of those tag matches, seeing his work as a single star, some would have been great. At yeah. the same time, a part of me is glad he stayed in Impact because I don't think he would have had the shine, the focus yeah. that he has here in Impact, and being able to be considered the guy and just that level of commitment that Impact has to him. And he, I don't think he would have had that in AEW. I agree. So, yeah. Yeah. He's been it's, a he's been a great champion. It's better for wrestling that he's there, right? Yeah. And that makes it like the impact benefits great from having this level of main event. They can bank on a great main event every month, and that's good for wrestling as well. By the way, it does when you set that story up with he has a special place in your heart. I thought you were <laughs> gonna say my fiance hates all the heels, but Ethan Page is such a great guy online and stuff that he's the one heel. She's like, oh, I love no, that no. he's the complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I love that he was simply no, uh, Oh man, stuff. so I think it was I think it was the second Starcast. So it would have been for the first All Out. Uh, he was there, and I got to talk to him. And she was at work, and she was coming over, and I was telling him how much she hated him <laughs> because of what he had said about Kylie Ray. And because c- the other thing is. But my girlfriend's like one of the nicest people on the planet. She hates bullies. She hates people who are mean to other people and all that kind of stuff. Ethan Page cursing out Kylie Ray, a woman, and talking about how he wants to beat the shit out of this woman. Like he's pretty mean. Oh yeah. my god, it's gonna be great. So I'm explaining this to him, and like a part of me thought he's just gonna completely act in character, right? Like he's just gonna be like, well, you know, screw your girlfriend, whatever, right? He goes, you know. That honestly means a lot to me because it means I'm doing my job. He's <laughs> like, it means I'm connecting the like it. It's like that tells me that I'm doing what I'm mm-hmm. supposed to be doing. And I was like, God, she needs to beat traffic so he can so she can get here and I can have her. <laughs> I can have it. He, he has an old school look at heel work, you know. Yeah. Like he ain't gonna be in character and meet and greet. He ain't like you know that old school. But he absolutely enjoys the idea of making people hate him. It's like oh he's, yeah, that's yeah. his special special trait. Um, and, Okay. No, I was just okay. gonna say that's that's something that's that's really great when when wrestlers like stay in character during meet and greets and are able to yeah. use like what the person says to. It, it uh, takes oh, balls, man. Yeah, it takes balls. <laughs> I, it, when MJF would do stuff, I'd be like, man, that this is gonna end in disaster one day. He's, he's you know, there's a line, I guess, right? He's managed yeah. to walk it well enough thus far. Um, okay, John, promote all the good things. Are true, who eat yourself, wherever you want to promote, pal. Floor is yours. Go ahead. Absolutely, guys. We I want to thank you guys for for tuning into this. Uh, first off, uh, Impact has had some some great shows and continues to put on great monthly specials. Same way that everybody here at Late Night Grin does great okay. shows. Great well, specials. we do shows. I'm about well, great shows. We, you know, shows right there, there, sir, sir. Don't 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 <laughs> undercut yourself. <laughs> but that's also that's also what we do over on the True Heels yep. YouTube channel. And we have, I talked about in the beginning, we have shows for pretty much every single promotion that you can think of. Uh, we had for, we had Fusion of Honor for a while there with, we were covering Ring of Honor and MLW Fusion at the same time. Hopefully, Tony, when he gets his TV deal for Ring of Honor, I can I can bring mm-hmm. Fusion of Honor back. But we cover almost every single promotion. And we have watch-alongs for pay-per-views, for episodes of, of, of TV for different promotions. We, we do it all. And we have a Patreon tier, uh, $3 a month is your entry-level tier. You can get access to so much more they're able to show on YouTube because New Japan puts copyright strikes on any of their yeah. images that you use. So 
that's the kind of stuff that you can get on our Patreon. You can get our merch at, at ProWrestlingTees.com. You can follow our new sports channel, THH Sports, where we talk about uh, football, American football, uh, basketball, baseball. Just just on Saturday, we had a, a watch-along for UFC and boxing. So we we, mm-hmm. we cover everything. We're, we're all over the place. But thank you, Joe, for having me, man. I appreciate it. We had a great time on the Death Before Dishonor preview, and I yes. had a great time here today, man. My pleasure, pal. I, I think you're doing a great job. I'm, you know, sorry I wasn't familiar with you earlier, but I think you're oh. doing a hell of a job. So <laughs> I, think we'll, we'll, I think we'll be sharing the screen again in future, oh, folks. For sure. So everyone, for sure. I'm looking John forward Trudeau. to it. Absolutely. Um, okay, folks, I'm going to be back in 45 minutes for something that is unprecedented on this very platform. We're going to watch Raw tonight, okay? Now, Oof. I have not watched Raw live in a very, very, very long time. I mean, <laughs> a, 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 but I think the show's been good the last two weeks. And tonight has Bobby Lashley and AJ Styles, which I can't, you know, I have this urge. I can't do it. So rather than just watch it on my own and tweet about it, we're going to be back on this very Twitch, top of the hour, raw. Feel free to join. It's probably going to be just me. I think Bob might hop on. But it'll mostly just be me kind of talking to myself about AJ Styles still being good in 2022, which is what I would be doing if I wasn't on the air. So raw grin along coming up at the top of the hour. Um, I'm going to post the the uh, on-demand video to the Patreon, so you'll see it somewhere. And I think the content will be good whether you watch, watch Raw or not. So, folks, I back top the ass, Paul John. See a lot of love in the chat. The Grinners agree with my with my take, John. Appreciate it, good guys. At this Appreciate power. it. <laughs> All right, <laughs> folks, see you at the top of the hour. In the meantime, enjoy this outro. Wow.